Hey guys, uh, I hope you're having an amazing week. Um, welcome back. But today we're going to be continuing the book study in Esther. So last week we went over chapter 7, and chapter 7 was jam packed with a whole bunch of craziness. Uh, Haman died, and so the bad guy is out of the story now. But today we're just going to, um, going to chapter 8 we're going to read it all the way through and then break it down like we usually do um but yeah go get your bible or open up your bible on your phone or uh, do whatever but let's get started chapter 8 verses 1 through 17 that same day king ajuerus awarded queen esther the estate of haman the enemy of the jews Mordecai entered the king's presence because Esther had revealed her relationship to Mordecai. The king removed his signet ring he had recovered from Haman and gave it to Mordecai, and Esther put him in charge of Haman's estate. Then Esther addressed the king again. She fell at his feet, wept, and begged him to revoke the evil of Haman and his plot he had devised against the Jews. The king extended the gold scepter toward Esther, so she got up and stood before the king. She said, If it pleases the king and I have found favor before him, if the matter seems right to the king and I am pleasing in his eyes, let a royal edict be written. Let it revoke the documents the scheming Haman wrote to destroy the Jews who are all in the king's provinces. For how could I bear to see the disaster that will come on my people? How could I bear to see the destruction of my relatives? King Ajuerus said to Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Look, I have given Haman's estate to Esther, and he was hanged on the gallows because he attacked the Jews. Write in the king's name whatever pleases you concerning the Jews, and seal it with the royal signet ring. A document written in the king's name and sealed with the royal signet ring cannot be revoked. On the 23rd day of the third month, that is, the month Sivan, the royal scribes were summoned. Everything was written exactly as Mordecai commanded for the Jews to the straight to the satraps, the governors, and the officials of the 127 provinces from India to Kush. The edict was written for each province in its own script, for each ethnic group in its own language, and to the Jews in their own script and language. Mordecai wrote in King Ajuerus' name and sealed the edicts with the royal signet ring. He sent the documents by mounted couriers who rode fast horses, bred in the royal stables. The king's edict gave the Jews in each and every city the right to assemble and defend themselves, to destroy, kill, and annihilate every ethnic and provincial army hostile to them, including women and children, and to take their possessions as spoils of war. This would take place on a single day throughout all the provinces of King Ajuerus on the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar. A copy of the text issued as law throughout every province It was distributed to all the people so the Jews could be ready to avenge themselves against their enemies on that day. The couriers rode out in haste on their royal horses at the king's urgent command. The law was also also issued in the fortress of Susa. Mordecai went from the king's presence clothed in royal purple and white with a great gold crown and purple robe of fine linen. The city of Susa shouted and rejoiced, and the Jews celebrated with gladness, joy, and honor. In every province, in every city, wherever the king's command and law reached, joy and rejoicing took place among the Jews. There was a celebration and a holiday, 
and many of the ethnic groups of the land professed themselves to be Jews because fear of the Jews had overcome them. Okay, so that was all of verses 1 through 17. So, we're going to start off with verses 1 through 2. So, verses 1 through 2, what I I really understood from the entire chapter of chapter 8 is that the Lord is truly a God of reversals. Let me explain. So, the Lord can cause things to turn like a flip of a switch. It doesn't matter how powerful the people or even the circumstances against us is or you is. They still got nothing against God unless he grants it to them. And just how God can grant things to people, he also can take them away just as quickly. So like I said, the Lord is a God of reversals. So there were two types of, I guess, like reversals or switches that happened in um, verses one through two. The first one was a financial reversal. So the king awarded Esther the estate of Haman. So everything Haman ever owned all belonged to this amazing woman who basically called him out in um, chapter 7. Then in verse 2, there was like a political reversal or like a political switch. So since Esther revealed her relationship with Mordecai, um, to the king, the king took his signet ring that he gave to Haman, but he took his signet ring and gave it to Mordecai, which gave Mordecai the authority Haman once had, which was basically immense power. So remember, whoever has the king's signet ring is basically the king's right-hand man. He has so much power. So let's go to verses 3 through 10. So even though all of these um, amazing reversals happened in verse 1 through 10, there were still a lot of bad that had to be undone because the royal decree that Haman had made to basically annihilate all the Jews was still standing. So they had to get to work. So Esther began to beg the king to revoke this plot. And uh, the king showed her favor. And since she found favor from the king, Esther then asked if he would issue a new edict that would counteract the former one. So at this point, Um, The king basically gave all authority in this manner to Esther and Mordecai. He's like, you can do as you please according to the Jews. So remember, Mordecai already had the king's signet ring. So Mordecai could do anything he pleased. And so they they had it set in their mind that they were going to go and save the Jews. Now in verses 11 through 14, in these verses, the second edict was fully described. And we have another reversal in this area. In verses 11 through 14, there was a legal reversal. So um, the new edict basically gave all the Jews in each and every city the right to assemble and defend themselves, to destroy, kill, and annihilate everyone who's hostile to them. So the first time I read through Esther, I was like, why do the Jews need to defend themselves if like, the edict is going to be revoked? If they're writing up a new edict, why do they need to defend themselves? Like, they should be good, right? So I was confused. So I did a little digging and found out that, um, not a little, I did a lot of digging. (laughs) But I did some digging and found out that the laws of Persia and Midia couldn't be revoked. So the decree that Haman made was still going to be enforced. And this was, um, 
I hope this makes sense. But this was because during Israel's time in exile, a certain law came up a few times that's actually relevant here. And so according to the laws in Persia and Media, any laws or proclamations that are made cannot be replaced or revoked. So that's, that's the law. Any laws or proclamations that are made cannot be replaced or revoked. This means that once it's written, the law stands no matter what. So... That's why the Jews were still given um, this permission. So that just because um, they couldn't get the law revoked, that didn't mean the Jews had to just accept the fact that they were going to be like executed by everyone. So if anyone tried to harm the Jews, this new decree gave them permission and authority to fight back. And as the text said, it gave them permission to avenge themselves against their enemies. So let's go to verses 15 through 17, um, which is actually like the last couple verses, which is crazy. This is going by quick. So if you can't tell, the theme of this chapter of this episode is reversal. And I actually got this idea from Dr. Tony Evans because I was watching, um, I follow him on YouTube and I was watching a few of his videos on the book of Esther and he kept talking about how like things were just reversing or how the flip was being switched or how things just changed and how God can change things in an instant. I was like, huh, I want to talk about this. So, um, so in verses 15 through 17, there was another reversal. And the reversal in this was there was an emotional reversal. Because remember at the beginning of Esther, the city of Susa was in complete confusion when the first edict came out. They were confused. They were wearing sackcloth and ashes. They were sad. But now in these last few verses, it shows us that they were nothing close to being sad. They were rejoicing. So the morning that the Jews had, it turned into a celebration. And the text actually said the Jews celebrated with gladness and joy and honor. So the last reversal we're going to be talking about is a spiritual reversal. And this actually happened in verse 17. So verse 17 lets us know that many of the ethnic groups in that kingdom um, profess to be Jews. So when they professed to be Jews, they didn't literally mean they were of Jewish descent, but they actually meant that they were, it actually meant that um, many sinners were being saved. So this might be a little confusing, but I'm going to try to explain it as clear as possible. So when a person professed back then to be a Jew, they were coming under the Jewish covenant. And to come under this Jewish covenant, you had to accept the Jewish God or God who was the one working in the midst all throughout this book, remember? So I really believed this happened because a lot of the unbelievers in this kingdom saw how the Jews were delivered and saw how much favor was bestowed upon them by God. And they were like, oh, I want this covenant protection too. So that's why the text said that... Um, Many other people at that time professed to be Jews because they saw how the Jewish people were delivered. They saw how God showed favor on them and they wanted to experience that too. So as we close, I want to end with this quote from Tony Evans. I've been talking about him this whole episode, but he he's awesome. I want to end with this quote. The quote 
was from a YouTube video I watched. And it said, the greatest reversal of all time still hadn't happened yet. The greatest reversal was when Satan thought he had destroyed the Son of God. But the cross which Jesus was condemned on became the path to his victory and glory. Three days later, he arose with all authority in heaven and on earth, and they were given to him. I wanted to end with that, and I just want y'all to remember that our God is a God of reversals. And he can turn anything around. He can change any situation. And you can just see that by looking all throughout the book of Esther. At the beginning, the Jews were supposed to die. They were supposed to be annihilated, but they end up being saved. At the beginning, they were mourning and crying, but now they're rejoicing. At the beginning, Haman owned all this stuff, and at the end, Esther owned his estate. At the beginning, Haman had the king's signet ring, and now Mordecai had that signet ring and had um, godly authority. Y'all, just remember, remember, remember that God is a God of reversals and he can turn your situation around. He can turn anyone's situation around. But we have what we have to remember is um, it might not always be in his will to turn something around, you know? Like in this situation with the Jews, yes, he saved them, but we can't just look at this story and literally apply it to our lives and be like oh uh i don't know be like oh i have pneumonia god's got a reverse he's gonna make me not have pneumonia anymore yeah that could happen but we can't just instantly apply that to our lives i hope that kind of makes sense but god's a god of reversals but everything that he allows to happen will be in his will so just because he allows certain reversals to happen in this book doesn't necessarily mean that he's gonna allow all of this stuff to happen for you or for someone else you may know but just overall remember that god can turn anything around if he pleases and if that's in his will let's pray father thank you for this day thank you for bringing the listener here thank you for allowing us to almost be coming to the close of season five we have two more episodes and we're done Thank you for um, pushing me to um, talk about this book on the podcast. Thank you for giving me the words to say. Because everything I say on this podcast, I'm just using those words to glorify you. So thank you for allowing me to do that, Lord. Lord, please allow the listener and myself to dig deeper while we have our own personal Bible times this week. Lord, I know this week I was struggling. I wasn't really on top of my um, Bible time. I didn't read as much as I should have. I didn't spend enough time with you as much as I should have. But it's a new week and I'm going to do better, Lord. So please just push me and the listener to get in our word every single day. To talk to you through prayer every single day. Please just push us, Lord. Lord, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for forgiving me. Please allow myself and the listener to be curious to learn more about you every day and then go on and share what we learn, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.